Thanks for being with us. As the weather warms, more and more people will be planning trips to the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. Here to talk to us about what the zoo has planned for this summer and other subjects is Executive Director Dr. Chris Kuhar. Doctor, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. So we don't want to bury the lead. We're going to talk about what's going to happen this summer, but the zoo had a major announcement about the rainforest and some big happenings are going to be happening there. Can you fill us in on the details? Yeah. So we've been planning for a while now uh, an expansion on the rainforest. You know, it's you know, believe it or not, that building's over 30 years old. And I think a lot of people think that they, you know, it just opened or they can remember when it opened, but it's over 30 years now. I need some, uh, need some updating. And, you know, we've got a fantastic uh, primate husbandry and research program. We do amazing conservation work with our gorillas and our orangutans. And it just, it's a perfect opportunity to really update the rainforest while providing the, the, the really the best space we can for gorillas and orangutans and a number of other species. So, uh, our our partner Cross Country Mortgage was able to to step up and help really support the first phase and what's going to be a, a multi phase project over the next several years to update that rainforest, update the zoo's front entrance, and we're really really excited about it. Other uh, zoos often make you make minor improvements or minor changes, and things are ready to go. This is really a big project. This this primate forest. What's the time frame for it? Yeah, because it's going to be so big, we're, we're actually, we have some schematics. We have a general idea of what we want to build, and hopefully folks have seen that out there in the media. Um, but what we're looking at doing over the next several months is really get down to the nitty gritty, right? So uh, work with our design team to really plan out, uh, you know, what everything looks like, where all the doors are, where, you know, what what's the exact finishes that we want, and, and really uh, pull that plan out. That's going to take anywhere from a year to 18 months. So we're, we're looking at trying to break ground on this towards the end of 2023. And this is all part of what we're referring to as the zoo's, you know, the zoo 150 plan. It's it's leading up to our 150th birthday. And believe it or not, in 2032, we'll turn 150 years old. So all of these different phases, all the different capital projects we're building right now are, are leading up to that 150th birthday. So it'll take uh, multiple years of construction, particularly given that we'll probably do multiple phases, both of the primate forest, as well as uh, a new front entry to the zoo and, and some different access points. So uh, working through all that, it's going to take us a good 10 years. Can you give us an idea of what those first expansions will look like? What When the first project the project is done, what will, what will zoo go over see? Yeah. So the, the initial project that we're referring to as the forest gallery, that's what cross country mortgage is helping us with. And that's going to really be, think of it as a new front entrance to the rainforest building. The the, the glass front that everybody's probably used to right now, uh, that all needs to come down. Uh, so we'll, we'll be creating a, a new, really a spectacular entry into the building. And that'll have, uh, in addition to new food service and some gift spaces, it'll have a new grand entry and some new interpretive places where we're really going to talk about the messaging around conservation and animals and, and everything that the zoo's mission is all about. So that's going to be your, your welcome into the zoo. And then what we hope to do is in, in, in the next couple of phases, and hopefully we can, uh, you know, pile a couple of those phases together, is really a new expansive uh, gorilla habitat, new expansive orangutan habitat. And what we're going to really focus on is what we've been doing with designing exhibits over the past several years, where 
we're looking at instead of one round exhibit where animals are are occupied in and they're in that same space every day, we're going to do like we've been building African Elephant Crossing and Roseboro Tiger Passage and Asian Highlands where multiple exhibits are interconnected. So we can have multiple groups of gorillas uh, and we can allow the space that those gorillas in to change on a daily basis. We can uh, bring our husbandry forward so we can have, you can see all the amazing training and the interactions that the animal care team is doing uh, with the gorillas, but we'll do it actually where guests can see it. You know, we're doing it kind of behind the scenes now because that's how our existing buildings were built. But I think the, the coolest thing about all of this is we're going to employ a roofing material uh, that allows uh, light to come through. And uh, this roofing material allows ultraviolet light so you can plant full-grown trees. You can grow trees inside the building. So it'll be like a, a greenhouse that allows you know a really great gorilla experience for both the guests and the animals year-round. So even if it's a you know, a, a cruddy March day like it is today, um, it'll still be, you know, nice and warm in that space and you'll feel like you're in a tropical forest. You mentioned that the rainforest is 30 years old. If you're a certain age, you remember when zoos didn't have rainforest. This is obviously a big attraction, not only at your zoo, but zoos all over the country. Why are they so popular? Well, I think what you're seeing now is an evolution in zoos, right? I think, you know, a lot of the zoos that we went to as kids would probably make us uncomfortable today, right? The the exhibit being, you know, sort of moated experiences and the animals were inactive and they and they looked sort of sad. What we're trying to do is create an experience that's much more dynamic, that's much more softer from an architectural feel with plants and animals and and the design is 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 built in such a way that animals can do what animals want to do, right? So when you're talking about that as an experience, that's a much more engaging uh, opportunity for for guests. It's much easier for kids to learn science when they're seeing things that are engaging as opposed to things that are sad or out of context. So I think it's really powerful. And what we're seeing is, you know, just in terms of, you know, not everybody can get on a flight and go to Africa or go to Asia. But what this does is it provides an opportunity that, yeah, it's not the real thing, but it's a really cool experience. And it's opportunity to see plants and animals and talk and learn about all those things in a dynamic way. And I think that's what you're starting to see in zoos is really changing the narrative where the animals and, and the plants are in the big dynamic space and the people are in the more restricted space. So you feel like you're surrounded by it, which is pretty cool. Will the expansion allow you to take care of the animals in a better fashion? It, absolutely. Um, you know, our team does a, an amazing job with husbandry and training. We've been doing research and conservation on gorillas and a number of species for you know a couple decades now, but we've been doing it behind the scenes. We've been doing it sort of in a retrofitted space where, you know, when we train a gorilla to do a, a cardiac ultrasound, the, the space wasn't designed to provide enough space for the animal and enough space for the keeper on different sides of the mesh, of course, you know, safe, safe interaction, but they weren't built that way. So what we're trying to do now is build these spaces in a way that allows the keepers easier access, allows the animals to be more comfortable and more willing to participate in the husbandry, allows our research team an opportunity to see the animals and get the samples they need. Um, and, and all in the interest of better husbandry. So when we design it that way, it'll be much better for the animals and the staff. And I think that, you know, it's really cool. I think people want to see that interaction between keepers and animals. And I think they'll be able to do that in this new space. Can you talk a little bit more about the, the, the need for animal husbandry? I mean, I think sometimes we come to the zoo as zoo goers and say, we want to see the animals, but not really thinking about how they get there or, or you know, the process of what goes on. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's it's incredibly complicated, and I I never thought about it until I got into this profession. And and what you have is really this evolution of science and animal care and nutrition. And you know, before the world got a crash course in wearing masks in quarantine, we were quarantining animals and and wearing masks in close 
contact because, you know, we were trying to keep our animals safe. And so we've been living this and doing this for a long time. And it, it requires a lot of uh, really committed, uh, really educated staff members to be able to pull it off. And I think you're starting to see it a little bit in the narrative. Hopefully folks have seen the narrative around our first baby gorilla, baby Kayembe, who was born here in October. Um, you know, all, all of the commitment and the care to to be able to not hand rear a gorilla, but be able to train another gorilla to become that surrogate mom and and you really get that baby integrated into group as quickly as possible. That takes a lot of commitment, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of uh, research to be able to help us make the right decisions. And we continue to build on that. And, and hopefully, you know, we're, we're really setting the bar and setting the standard for how gorilla husbandry and husbandry from a number of species is going to look moving forward. This is going to sound like a dumb question, but I was surprised to find that that was the first baby gorilla born at the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. Why does it take so long? I know that sounds like a silly question, but what, what's the situation there? No, it's not a silly question at all, because when when we're managing populations of animals within the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, uh, there's a, a management group called a Species Survival Plan. We refer to it as an SSP for short. And what that group tries to do is manage the genetics of the population. So this is kind of the opposite of breeding cats and dogs for shows. This is trying to make the genetics as variable as possible. So instead of line breeding, we're trying to make a very broad genetic pool for the long-term health of the population. And we do that by trying to mimic the population structure of, of animals in the wild. So what a natural social grouping one of the natural social groupings that occurs is bachelor gorillas. So I, you know, you can think about this as teenage males whose dad no longer wants them around. We can't send them off to college. What these guys do is they form these groups of bachelors and they, they fight and they wrestle and they play and they eat until they're big enough and strong enough to, to have their own group of gorillas. So for 20 years, Cleveland Metro Park Zoo was a bachelor group institution. We had a group of bachelor gorillas and and we had a, a lot of success. We learned a lot from that group. So, you know, there's, there've been decades that we didn't have a, a, a breeding group in place. And and honestly, you know, our zoo is 139 years old. The the first gorillas weren't born in a zoo until the 50s, right? So they're, they're, we haven't really had a long timeline of, of breeding gorillas and our team has been focused on bachelors. So now we have that bachelor expertise. We've, we've added this, uh, this family expertise. And one of our, one of our males, Makola, who was a bachelor for 20 plus years, he's now, you know, he's now the proud papa in this group, right? He's, he's turned out to be a, a magnificent group leader and father to Kayembe. So, you know, this is a, an evolution and in, in the animals are learning and our team's learning and, and hopefully, hopefully it won't be 139 years before we have another baby girl. Dr. Chris Kuhar is the executive director of the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. He joins us today for The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. We're talking about what's happening at the zoo, some big expansion, and what's going to happen this summer. Baby animals seem to bring people out. Why is that? I know it's just because they're cute. I, I know when the baby giraffe was born, we had to go see them. Yeah, I think there is something about being cute. I think there's something about also, um, you know, there's a story that we can tell here at the zoo that connects people to their lives, right? You can see a little bit of yourself in um, in the animals that are born, you know, when we see Freddie, who's uh, Frederica, this uh, female that adopted the, the baby gorilla, you can see her bounce him, right? If he starts to fuss, she starts to bounce him and she'll pat his back and, you know, she'll put him down for tummy time. And uh, this is a gorilla, but those are also things that if you've had kids, you've experienced that, right? You've experienced the fussiness, you've experienced 
uh, trying to give them an opportunity so that they can grow. And even though they complain, they need to get that time to push up and, 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 and build the strength in their legs. There's a human story there. And so we're really connected to that. And I think that having baby animals and seeing baby animals, it's ridiculously cute, but it's also a little bit of a window into our lives as well. So I think that's really interesting. So all these expansions must be paid for. What's the plan there? Does, is, is there going to be grants or, or are you going to be dealing with trying to fundraise? How's that going to work? Yeah. So as I said, we're, we're building out the plan, right? So we're building out exactly what the costs are and the timeline. Um, our, the support of our partner, Cross Country Mortgage, gets us a, a jump start on that first phase. And as we build this out, we're going to be developing a, a capital campaign to, to really help pay for this and, and really looking at leveraging the resources we have. Because, you know, we know that this is not just a home for gorillas. This is, this is uh, an opportunity to talk about really important education issues, but it's also an economic development issue here. We know that, you know, obviously there's going to be an economic benefit to the community by building a large project like this. Uh, we think it's going to draw people from outside the community. So bring those dollars in to Northeast Ohio. So we think it has a lot of potential uh, on all levels. And, you know, we're, we're going to continue to develop that plan and communicate that as we put all the pieces together. Obviously, COVID has impacted all of us in places that have invite people in, certainly have had to deal with issues. How's attendance been these last couple of years when you were able to get the zoo open? I think once we were able to get back open, I think people have, you know, differing opinions on how comfortable they feel in crowds. But one of the advantages that the zoo had is that we're largely outdoors. And, you know, I think we were the one of the places where when people wanted to get back out, they felt comfortable in a zoological set setting. So last year we had over 1.3 million guests. That's with COVID attendance restrictions in the beginning of the year. So it was a really strong year. Uh, we had people come out and really enjoy themselves. This year so far when the weather's been good, people have been coming out. So, you know, it was, it was hard. 2020 was hard for us like it was for a lot of organizations, but people seem to be uh, rebounding and, and wanting to come out. So we're excited to have them. And, you know, one of the other things about this space is even though it's going to be under a roof, it's going to be a really high roof and there's going to be airflow and, and, uh, and, and sunlight. So it'll feel like you're outdoors, even when you're indoors. And I think that's a really, that, that's a really interesting dynamic as we look at building out these projects. And most of us come to the zoo, we go with our family, we bring our kids, or maybe we go with a group of school children. Are there smaller tours for people who come to the zoo who want to get a back sort of backstage view of what goes on? So we do have programs where you can register for, for particular programs. I think one of the things we're trying to do is move away from that, that, that paid special experience and bring that experience out front. Um, but, but as you said, we're, we're evolving. We're not just uh, school groups. We're not just uh, moms pushing strollers with kids, right? We're, we, we have events now and, and you know, there are Asian Lantern Festival over the past several years and Wild Bunch of Lights. Those are uh, events that bring a different dynamic to the zoo experience. It's not the traditional sort of Curious George book where you walk around the zoo with a balloon and some cotton candy. It's a much more dynamic, entertaining experience. And I think that appeals to a larger demographic, which is one of the measures of our success. And, and we're going to continue to evolve that. You know, we just we just built a zip line last year. So the Eagle Zip Adventure is a, is a new experience for our zoo. So it's it's changing and evolving as people's interests and, and, and wants and needs as a as a park change as well. I can't tell you how many people I spoke to who have attended the Asian Fest of the Lantern Festival and just marvel at how beautiful it is. Are you surprised at how big it's become? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. When we when we started this project, we 
Um, we weren't, you know, sure how the public would react to it. And it's been a really strong reaction. And I think that it brings out a little bit of a more diverse culture groups, uh, some folks that don't necessarily think about the zoo as a place to come on a daily basis. We see uh, the, the demographics of the attendees skewing a little bit older. We see folks with dates, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a completely different experience because you're adding that cultural element, which is something we've been trying to build into our exhibits. Adding it to the event, I think, makes it even more powerful. So, and, you know, we've been trying to really make it, it's different every year, right? So the lanterns are different, the experience is different, and we're going to hopefully continue to get to do that moving forward. Any other big plans for this summer for the zoo? Anything special happening or just it's, let's come see the animals? Yeah, well, we're, you know, obviously we're going to be working really hard on, uh, you know, our, our plans and those design projects. Um, we got some fingers crossed for some baby animals that we're going to get on the ground this summer. And then I, I mentioned the zip line. I think we didn't open that until late in the summer. I would encourage folks to get out and check out Eagle Zip Adventure because it's a really unique experience. You don't have to strap in. You get to sit in it. So it's more like a ride than it is a, you know, a traditional zip line. But it's a really cool experience. And then, you know, we're, we're going to be looking at announcing some special events later this summer. So, again, trying to make this more of a dynamic uh, it's almost like a, a menu of different uh, entertainment opportunities in one place. So taking the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo out of the equation, what are some of your favorite zoos that you've had a chance to visit? Oh, I, you know, I, I spent five years working with Disney's Animal Kingdom. So that's that's way up on the top of my list, right? That's got a special place in my heart. Uh, I went to grad school in Atlanta. So Zoo Atlanta is a, a you know, special place in my heart as well. I think what you're seeing is, you know, when when I talk about zoos or when my team talks about zoos, we're talking about accredited facilities. The Association of Zoos and Aquariums is the premier accrediting body. So there's over 2,000 animal exhibitors in North America, but there's only about 200 of them that are accredited by AZA. So we tend to think of like that top 10% of animal facilities. And, you know, all the big zoos, you know, you can think of San Diego's and the Bronx Zoo. They're all great facilities and they're all evolving uh, from that traditional sort of entertainment destination to a much more dynamic education and conservation focused destination. Best of luck this summer. Let's hope people come out. I'm sure they will. Dr. Chris Kuhar, Executive Director of the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Come back and join us again because we'll talk again soon. Thanks. Mm-hmm.